extravagant God, send your Holy Spirit to dwell within us so that we may have the strength of purpose to live out your calling this and every day. Let the words of your scripture and the teaching of your son Jesus be a light to our path and a lamp to our feet. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Psalm 145 is the only psalm of David that is listed as a psalm of praise. And in Jewish tradition, Psalm 145 is it's so important it's to be recited three times a day. In our lectionary schedule of scripture readings, this psalm comes up not once or twice, but four times. Now, notice that David does not ask for anything in this psalm. Usually we have those prayers and we say, oh, give me this, give me that, give me that, and help this other person and so on. There's a lot of requests, but this does not have any particular requests. Also notice that the psalm starts off in the first person as an individual song of praise, but it grows in the song for all. Now some scholars think that this 145th psalm may have it may have originally been the very last psalm in the book of Psalms and that the remaining five psalms each basically elaborate on the last verse of this one. Each of those last five psalms, 146 to 150, every one of them begins and ends with the one Hebrew word I think everybody here knows. Hallelujah. Which means praise the Lord. Well, speaking of Hebrew, in that original language, this psalm had a feature. Part of it was designed to help people memorize it, since they were supposed to recite it several times a day. It's an acrostic. That is, the first line starts with the first Hebrew letter, Aleph, the second, Bet, and so on down to the last letter, Tav. But wait. Those of you who are as keen at catching details as Sherlock Holmes or Lieutenant Palumbo <laughs> will say, but wait a minute. There are 22 letters in the Hebrew alphabet and there are just 21 verses here. How's that work? Well, it is true that some of the scrolls left off that 14th letter, which is called Nun, but that was thought to be essentially their version of a typo. So now most of the translations have an additional sentence, a part B on 13, to get all 22 letters in. Well, memory, memorization, that may have been one reason to have those acrostic A to Z kind of psalms. But Adele Berlin suggests another. She says, the poet praises God with everything from A to Z. His praise is all inclusive. More than that, the entire alphabet the source of all words is marshaled in praise of God. You can't actually use all the words in a language, but by using the alphabet, the whole alphabet, all potential words are in praise. Well, listen now for God's word for us in Psalm 145. I will lift you up high, my God, the true King. I will bless your name forever and always. I will bless you every day. I will praise your name forever and always. The Lord is great and so worthy of praise. God's greatness cannot be grasped. One generation will praise your works to the next one, proclaiming 
your mighty acts. They will talk all about the glorious splendor of your majesty. I will contemplate your wondrous works. They will speak of the power of your awesome deeds. I will declare your great accomplishments. They will rave in celebration of your abundant goodness. They will shout joyfully about your righteousness. The Lord is merciful and compassionate, very patient and full of faithful love. The Lord is good to everyone and everything. God's compassion extends to all his handiwork. All that you have made gives thanks to you, Lord. All your faithful ones bless you. They speak of the glory of your kingdom. They talk all about your power to inform all human beings about God's power and the majestic glory of God's kingdom. Your kingdom is a kingship that lasts forever. Your rule endures for all generations. The Lord is trustworthy in all that he says, faithful in all that he does. The Lord supports all who fall down, straightens up all who are bent low. All eyes look to you, hoping and you give them their food right on time, opening your hand and satisfying the desire of every living thing. The Lord is righteous in all his ways, faithful in all his deeds. The Lord is close to everyone who calls out to him, to all who call out to him sincerely. God shows favor to those who honor him, listening to their cries for help and saving them. The Lord protects all who love him, but he destroys every wicked person. My mouth will proclaim the Lord's praise, and every living thing will bless God's holy name forever and always. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Oh Lord, may my words and may our thoughts be acceptable in your sight, our rock and our Redeemer. Because there are so many Psalms, 150, scholars have sometimes tried to develop categories to describe them. In Old Testament days, the book of Psalms was on four scrolls, so that kind of was one way to divide them up. Some people try to classify Psalms in terms of hymns and laments and royal Psalms and so on. The psalm scholar Walter Brueggemann suggests three categories. First, there are some psalms that take the view that all, basically all is right with the world. These are what he calls psalms of orientation. Other psalms point out, complain, and lament about the problems in the world or problems in the psalmist's life. So Brueggemann calls those psalms of disorientation. The third category of psalms calls either new orientation or reorientation, such as that worldwide favorite, the 23rd Psalm. Now, Brueggemann grouped Psalm 145 with the psalms of orientation, that is, things are pretty good. All is right. But he also has written about the contrast between the words in this psalm we just read and our own experiences. Because we live in an age of anxiety, it's hard for us to see the world as 
just fine. Just, well, for example, the 15th verse said, all eyes look to you hoping, but our fear says, mm, the world is running out of oil fast. What are we going to do? Verse 16 says that God satisfies the desire of every living thing. But our fear says, well, man, you've seen the empty store shelves with no bread, no milk, no batteries, with just the hint of a snowflake. <laughs> what will happen when earthquakes or hurricanes or the Korean threat hits us really hard? What are we going to do? The 17th verse says, the Lord is righteous in all his ways, faithful in all his deeds, but our fears, our fears say, oh, there's only so much health care. There are only so many jobs. We can't afford to be helping other people. The 19th verse says, God shows favor to those who honor him, listening to their cries for help and saving them. But our fear says, our doubt says, you sure you can count on that? We've got to watch out for number one. Everybody else can take care of themselves. So there's a tension there. Well, as I read that psalm, did you notice all the I wills, I will, I will in the first couple of verses? There are four of them in the first two verses and two more in the verse five and six. But don't worry, this is not King David making campaign promises to, <laughs> only to be forgotten or changed later. This is worship and praise that starts out me, 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 but it ends up as all, all, all. It starts as a very personal prayer of praise and it grows to embrace all of creation. This psalm oscillates also between speech to God and then speech about God. Now the eighth verse says some very important things about the character of God. One way we know the eighth verse of Psalm 145 says something important is that there's a version of this verse and at least two other psalms. There's a version in Exodus, the book of Exodus, the book of Joel, and the book of Jonah. Five times. So what did that verse say? The Lord is merciful and compassionate, very patient and full of faithful love. And then the ninth verse elaborates. The Lord is good to everyone and everything. God's compassion extends to all his handiwork. The God who made all that is, loves it all. God is gracious, compassionate, patient, universally concerned, good to all creation. A professor named John Hayes has written, both the creation and the covenant community point to the reign of God. And if you ask me to say, well, just boil this long psalm of, in English here, it's more than 330 words. Boil it down to three words, I would say. Praise, king, and all. The first two and the last verse are both vows to praise God. I will, the first one is, I will lift you up high, my God, the true king. I'll bless your name forever and always. I'll bless you every day. I'll praise your name forever and always. And my mouth will proclaim God's praise forever and always. The second key word I mentioned was king. 
because that's the metaphor for God's reign, God's sovereignty, for God being in charge, for us being able to count on, to trust in God. And the third key word, all. In the Hebrew, the word for all comes up 17 times in 21 verses. Let me just read a couple of them there. That listen for the alls. Lord is great to everyone and everything. God's compassion extends to all his handiwork. All that you have made gives thanks to you, Lord. All your faithful ones bless you. They speak of the glory of your kingdom. They talk all about your power to inform all human beings. In other words, God doesn't just love Israel or the good, just the good old USA. God loves all creation. Well, we live in a world in tumult, filled with turmoil and anxiety about dangers, some we just imagined, but a whole bunch of dangers that are real and present. With the psalmist, we can sing God's praises and celebrate God's sovereignty, but how can we put our words of praise into action? Another one of those psalm scholars I like to read has a hard to pronounce name, Nancy de Classe Walford. We'll just call her Nancy. <laughs> Nancy writes, God is indeed sovereign, but we must be the hands and feet of God in God's world. She notes that in the days of the psalmist, the role of the king included providing a safe place of habitation, a safe place to live for humanity. That safety included dwelling places, farmland, drinking water, abundant harvest, increase of animals, fertility within the family. In our world, many people do not have basic elements of safe habitation. Whether as a result of poverty or societal violence or disease or outright neglect. And this we can add especially for the folks in Puerto Rico in the as a result of disasters, like hurricanes. So we must, in God's name, support those who are falling, lift up those who are bent down, give food in its time, open our hands and hear and respond to cries for help. There are cries for help all around us. Cries from people who have lost their homes to hurricanes, earthquakes, or, or for that matter, financial crises. Cries from people who do not have access to clean water or nutritious food. Cries from people oppressed by prejudice against people of their particular gender or color or nationality or disability or age. Cries from people coping with illnesses, physical or mental or both. Cries from people striving for, yearning for, pleading for, justice and freedom. We take for granted our freedoms, our freedom to gather here and worship as God has led us to, our freedom to, to vote for who we want to and say whatever we want to about the people that are running. There are so many people that would do those things and die for them. Well, as the people of God, we need to hear and we need to respond to those cries for help so that all will proclaim God, the Lord's praise and so that every living thing will bless God's holy name forever and always. Thanks be to God.
Go out into the world in peace. Have courage. Hold on to what is good. Return no one evil for evil. Strengthen the faint-hearted. Support the weak. Help the suffering. Practice, practice, practice generosity. Love and serve the Lord. Rejoicing in the power of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you.